This is Doug Scheiding of Rogue Cookers, Texas Embedded Correspondent. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How you doing? <laughs> we have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate fifty four wieners. Oh, listen, Laverne, it's a I'm shaking like a dog shit pizza. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. Welcome to the second hour! It's the Barbecue Central Show. We talk about live fire items. Breaking news, not breaking news, recurring news, news that seems to never end. Great interviews, top-notch information and entertainment. Right here. By the way, not to toot my own horn, but the entertainment value... This is across all podcasts. I'm not just saying we're the most entertaining podcast across live fire podcast. Unquestioned. I'm talking about the Sebastian and Pete show, Joe Rogan. I'm your daddy. Other podcasts that are much bigger than mine that I can't think of. My entertainment value is at least as good as theirs. And some even better, and I'm not just saying that because this is my show. I'm kind of an expert when it comes to content. Still to come on the show this evening, Joe Martinez of Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue for his third installment of the 2023 Barbecue Central Show's Podgumentary, which is not a word. And then we'll close out the show with Daniel Vaughn and his quarterly visit from TexasMonthlyTMBBQ.com, his website. I would give you Joe's website, but he does not have a website. I'm sure he's working on that. We say good evening to those of you watching tonight through one of our video streaming platforms, Facebook and Twitch, slash BBQ Central Show, and we also have a feed over on YouTube, which is YouTube.com slash at BBQ Central Show. There's also a YouTube poll question of the week, which is this. Listening to Mike Grunwald last week has changed your opinion of cell-cultivated meat, and currently 82% of you now are saying, no, it has not changed your mindset. 18% of you, though, are saying, yes, you're open to it. I think Mary Kressler said it right. I'm interested it has peaked. I'm not going to just give it a hard no. I'm going to give it a shot. We'll follow it. We'll see. It's interesting is what she's saying. By the way, I got this message coming in from Brian Vestrom. In talking with Sean and Mary while they were doing the interview, they should be sharing earbuds. Brian, the funny thing to that is, as I was sound checking them last night, they were sharing earbuds. That's right. One going here, one going here. It was very cute. But they were able, I don't know if they put some kind of a splitter in there so they could have their own earphones. Because as you can see, they were working one microphone. As a host, I certainly appreciate the fact that they were diligently taking turns going into the mic, making sure that proximity effect was happening with that microphone. And they sounded great and great interview. So if you missed it here, as you're joining us in the second hour, you'll get the podcast tomorrow, hour number one tomorrow. So you'll get both Sean and Mary, and then you will also get Wes Wright from cookoutnews.com. And the second hour will be up on Thursday. And we'll talk about the best moments of uh, right now, actually. So coming up, this Friday on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. If you can believe episode 300. We're taking you back to September 29th, 2015. The creator of a barbecue team and also a line of barbecue products under the name Unknown Barbecue. And their pitmaster, Jason Whitcomb, was a guest of mine September 29th of 2015. And he is being featured on episode 300 this coming Friday. And if you missed it, I said episode 300. 
Look, what can I say about John Solberg, my executive producer, best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less? This whole thing started at the beginning of a year, 2018, I believe it was. And I knew that the concept was good. Something that made sense to me, didn't know how was I was going to be able to execute while continuing to do all the show stuff for the Tuesday show and then bring on a new podcast. But who am I to trust anybody with anything that I do from a quality assurance standpoint, an audio standpoint, fidelity standpoint, only one person, that's John Solberg. And I reached out to him and he said, yeah, I said, I, I want to pay you a pittance. And here's the concept. It was loose at best, and he's really picked it up and run with it. The shows have gotten better and better each and every week. As we enter our sixth year of Best Moment Show, again, started in January of 2018. I'm excited to hear them and excited to hear what he mines out of the archives. And remember, the full archives have finally been reconnected and or unlocked. So it goes all the way back to February of 2008. I was looking through the spreadsheet of shows to come, and I spied a Dan from Wachula episode coming up in a few weeks. But for the longest time fans that are out there, and I don't know if there's anybody out there that recalls, you know, maybe a Michael Savino he might stretch all the way back. Maybe a Phil White. Oh. Phil, how are you if you're still listening from Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama? Phil White. I'm trying to remember some of those early fans of the show and if they've made it all the way. Maybe a Sam Hayes. There's been a couple other folks that have reached out through email over the years saying, hey, been with you since the beginning. The audience has changed, no doubt. People fall in and out of love with Hot Fire or Live Fire. I don't get that myself. I'm in love with it, and i am been in love with it for as long as I've been doing the show. But Dan from Wachula was somebody that called the show. He was calling in for the sole purpose of trying to see how long I would take his nonsense until I hung up on him, dropped the hammer on him, if you will, a la Jim Rome. And all of a sudden, one day he disappeared, never to be seen from again. So that's coming up in a few weeks. But I do want to say to John, thank you for the years of service to the show, producing the very best parts of a longer interview. I wouldn't trust anyone else to do the show. And when you quit, I don't know what I'm going to do, but we'll ride it out as long as we can. You're the best. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. By the way, John flies under the radar as an expert in this industry. Let me run down a quick list of John's accomplishments and or expertise. And these are all true. This isn't me marking out to John in a long, drawn-out way. I can do that all day, every day of the week, because I think John is an incredible human being. John is a, dra a jack-of-all-trades and a master of all. Yes. Social media savvy, yes. Publisher, I'm sorry, published reviewer of barbecue and grilling products, both where he is named as the reviewer and as a ghost writer for other big names where he is not noticed. Yes. The names I could rattle off would blow your mind. I'm not saying they're passing off his reviews, but they have engaged John to do reviews where he is not named. Is John a barbecue pit master? Yes. Is John a grill master? Yes. Does John make his own lump charcoal? Yes. Quality guest for any live fire show to have on? Yes. Trust me, the list goes on. So know this. You might think of John as a producer of the best moments of the Barbecue Central show and a great monthly guest on the show, but he is far more than that. And as a personal aside, I have few friends that are as fiercely loyal and dependent as John. So, John, thank you for being you. I appreciate you. 
and you are a valued person in my life, and we congratulate you on 300 episodes of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes. By the way, you can subscribe to the podcast feed by going to thebbqcentralshow.com slash subscribe. And don't forget, if you want to hear a guest or a segment again that you might feel has been lost in these extensive archives, reach out to John, J-O-N, at thebbqcentralshow.com and let him know what you would like to hear. As I had mentioned on the way out of the first hour, this coming Saturday, if you're going to be around, even if you're not going to be around, make plans to be in Hartville, Ohio for the 2023 Hartville Hardware Grill Fest. On the Big Green Egg, Captain Ron doing live demos. On the Weber side of things, Mike Lang from Another Pint Please is going to be doing live demos. On the Traeger side, a crowd favorite, the inimitable DivaQ is going to be doing live demos. And I'm going to be live emceeing all damn day. A fun day filled with competition and learning. But most of all, huge deals. On everything that's in their barbecue and grilling section, along with representatives from many of the brands that they carry to answer all your questions, make sure you're buying what's best for you. You're not going to believe the setup that they have going on. Tents are going way out into the parking lot now. A lot of partners showing up, a lot of know-it-alls, a lot of big shots. You're going to have the best time of your life this year, this coming Saturday in Hartville. So if you're within a 10-hour driving radius, make plans to converge to Hartville. This coming Saturday, where you will see me and Mike Lang and Diva. At a minimum, did I mention the Pizziola Day Pizziolas is going to be there? Matt Frampton. What? Are you not pumped up for this thing? You better be coming. Are you kidding me? Did I mention I'm going to be there all day? Yes. Come on. All right. Our pal, Joe Martinez from Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue. The 2023 focus of our barbecue podrumentary is up next. So stick around. We'll be right back. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. I can't believe that Grill Fest is already upon us. Holy moly. This is exciting. Before we get to Joe, this portion being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, currently available in three sizes, a host of accessories. Doesn't matter if you're a beginner or professional, definitely a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com. Tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. And if you're still interested in the PBX special, write in the email to them or contact them through social media. Tell them you're still interested. If they have them in stock, they will give you the deal. $2.99 shipped to your door for the biggest cooker that they got. Doesn't get any better than that. Kicking off the second hour tonight, the owner and operator of Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue food trailer in El Paso, Texas. He has been the focus of the 2023 Podgimentary series, and he is here for the third of four quarterly appearances. And he is sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly of operating a barbecue food trailer. Outside of the business, of course, he continues to be a prolific YouTube creator who generates some very impressive content. So we're happy to welcome back our pal, Joe Martinez. Joe, before we get into uh, talking about the latest installment of the Podgimentary, let's get your take on the YouTube poll question of the week. Listening to Mike Grunwald's last week interview on cell-cultivated meat has changed your opinion on it, yes or no? Joe, I can't hear you. On mute? Are you there? Joe, are you there? I can't hear you. Are you there now? Hello? Well, we're going to wait for Joe to reconnect. What's insanely crazy about this is that 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tonight, Joe and I did a sound check. We did. He sounded great. 
When it comes showtime, no. This is bizarre. Do you want me to sing to you while Joe reconnects? I can't tell if he's just hovering about. Doesn't look like his eyes have changed, so I'm going to assume he's rebooting the computer or doing some other nonsense. Anyway, we have a little background music playing here. Come and see me this Saturday at Hartville Hardware Grill Fest. Mike Lang is going to be there cooking on a Weber Live. Captain Ron's gonna cook on the big green egg, too. And then there's Steve Q. Daniel Bennett's gonna be cooking on the trigger, yeah. She's got one demo, but then she's got another cooking steak and other stuff. Where it happened to Joe Martinez? He's gone. His computer must take a long time to reboot, reboot, reboot. And we sound checked as I said we did at 8.30 last night. I mean tonight. Somehow I got on to Joe after talking about Hardville Hardware Grill Fest. Be there on Saturday. A Franklin barbecue pit will be there too. You can touch it, you can touch it, you can touch it, you can touch it. It's gonna be great. Hey! Alright, I mean, how long can I, one man, possibly think of trying to make up these music? And outrageous! I'm a. Look, what other show are you gonna be listening to? Where we have a technical issue with the guest. You can see Joe has fallen asleep at the microphone right here. Wait, Joe, are you there? Can you hear me now? I mean, I can, but I don't think your mic is on. Yeah, I don't think so either. Hang on one second. Wow. All right. Man, we tested this, too. I was just singing a whole song about it. <laughs> Let me see here. Here we go. Here we go. Joe? There you go. No. Uh, tap the mic. Nothing? Tap the mic. No. Still the computer mic. Huh. Are you uh, uh are you in the uh the, the gear cog setting? Yep. And you're hitting a reconnect with that microphone? Yep. Oh, we got a winner. Just there changed. There we go. Oh man, sorry about that. Gary. Yeah, I was just singing uh, all about Hardville hardware coming up and then somehow I transitioned into singing about how we did a sound check at eight thirty tonight. Everything was sounding great, and boy, oh boy, I'm like, how, how long does a guy got to make up a song off the top of his head to Milt Buckner's Robin's Nest? I mean, that takes some real chutzpah and talent. You're not getting that anywhere else. But No kidding. Yeah, we're happy to have you here. So last time, wait, we didn't get the answer here because Mike was effed up. Listening, YouTube poll question of the week, listening to Mike Grunwald last week changed your opinion on cell-cultivated meat, yes or no? I am on the minority. I'm saying yes. Yes, all right. Well, uh, currently Absolutely. 18% of us minorities are saying that, that sounds weird when you say it out loud, are saying yes, right. we are definitely at least interest peaked, if nothing else, and we're not going to just summarily take a shit on it. Last time you were on, I Joe, mean, we think, talked. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think a lot of us tried that when the Beyond Meat came out. You know, a lot of us were sketchy, and I think a lot of us tried it. Yeah. You know. Last time you were on, we talked about day one sales and then three months out. So in an effort to kind of get caught up to some degree from a month, I'm sorry, from month four until present day, what get easier? What get what got easier about operations from a day to day standpoint? Well, um, you know, the first three months were great. Um, the the second quarter the, or January through March, um, sales actually slowed down. Um, you know, we were we were in the middle of winter. Um, you know, Paso does get pretty cold. We got some snow, and you know, because we're in a food truck park, our customers have to sit outside. And you know, barbecue is one of those things that it is best served hot. So the minute you hand it to a customer your tray your beautiful barbecue platter 
it like instantly gets cold. So yeah. And a lot of things have changed. Um, obviously from April on to today, uh, things have gotten better. Um, we sold out every day in March, um, but January and February were extremely tough. Um, and it was, um, you know, it, it really, a lot of things did change because, you know, when I first opened, I didn't, I didn't understand food cost. I didn't understand payroll percentages and stuff like that. So because we were slower than normal, that gave me the opportunity to really take a step back and, and, and say, okay, why am I paying so much for this product? Where, where can I get it? A similar product, a good quality product, um, at a lesser price. The one thing that I'll tell you is I will never sacrifice the quality of the product. You know, I won't ever go for, from example, from prime to select just because I can get it for $2 cheaper per pound. I want equal or better at a good price. And because we were slow, that, that really gave me the opportunity to take a look at food cost and, and stuff. And, and my food cost, I'll, I'll tell you, was in the low 40s. Wow. And for a lot of folks that don't understand food cost, a great way to look at it, let's say your food cost is at 42%. That means that for every dollar that that you're generating in business, 42 cents of that is going to towards purchasing the food and supplies to run your business. And I know cents doesn't, you know, that, you know, cents doesn't, five cents doesn't sound like a lot, but where my food cost is today at 34%, you know, it's a huge difference. You know, that's the difference of you being profitable or not being profitable. If you could, you don't want to sacrifice. You want the you want the, the quality where you're at at the same or a better price. As you said, you, you could go to a select meat and just outright pay less. Would you do that if you could produce a better product? Or does having a select brisket strictly prohibit you from producing a similar product to the customer? Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. not. I mean, the select brisket has its place in... in um, you know, in the barbecue world, I guess, and that if you're going to do chopped beef or something where marbling and moisture is not that important because you're chopping it up. But the quality of the, the briskets that we're using, I mean, we're using Creekstone briskets. It's a, you know, it's a well-marbled brisket. Uh, the quality is consistent, um, but it's expensive. Um, but I will never, ever go down to a select brisket i just won't do that to the customer because from an eating experience standpoint it's it's not good what's labor been like you know that's one thing greg the labor has been probably my my lowest expense running the business but because i've kept it that way um you know it's been my brother and myself and a cashier and, um, you know, my daughter was our cashier and she started school and is an orchestra and mariachi and said that she didn't want to work anymore because of school. So I was like, oh, so, <laughs> so now I had to hire somebody. Right. So I've got a uh, cashier now and it's just been us three the entire time. Um, but, you know, I've quickly realized, you know, kind of fast forwarding to today, you know, I, I've got I hired a chef you know, for the very first time. Um, what, is, and, what does that mean? You know, I got, You've hired a chef. What does he do? She. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I think that, I think that my barbecue is not going to change. Okay. The barbecue is going to remain the same, but I think that, you know, if you're in anywhere near the barbecue, uh, community, you know, that barbecue has changed and is changing almost, daily so to up your barbecue game you've got to get creative with certain dishes um so it's not the same old same old and i think you know adding a chef a trained chef uh, really opens a door to to play around with sides or desserts or maybe the way that we you know currently fix something up she'll come up with a better way to do it um just get creative you know you've heard a lot of us have heard that term of new school barbecue you know, that's that new school barbecue. That's what it's about. It's getting creative. It doesn't have to be beans and, and macaroni and cheese and coleslaw all the time. It can be a different side that, you know, customers might be attracted to. Like what? 
You know, I'll tell you one thing that 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 we're going to start playing with this week. Um, so, for example, mac and cheese. What can we do to mac and cheese to kind of amp that up a little bit? So we are going to mold our mac and cheese into kind of hockey pucks and bread them. Mm. I don't want to give the recipe away because it's it's not out there right now. Yeah. But we're gonna be we're gonna be breading it and um, not frying it. We're gonna be searing it and serving that as a as a side. So you know we're still we're still playing around with it. But again, this chef just started with me. And, you know, she's already coming up with ideas on, you know, adding more sides or improving our sides. Is she a contractor of sorts where she works for you, with you for, I don't know, three or four days out of the month or so many hours uh, out of the month she's allotted to you to come up with these creative ideas? How does that work? No. So, you know, she's an extra person, obviously, and, and you know, that's going to help take the workload off of myself and my brother. So, you know, she'll be helping out with that, but because we have so much more help, you know, she has the opportunity to, to play around with the recipes, but she's a full-time employee. She's, she's You've hired there. a full on employee, yeah. a chef. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. A chef. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you know, it's something I have always wanted to be honest with you. You know, you take a look at some of the top barbecue joints in, in Texas and, and across the, the United States, a lot of people have talented chefs that are out there coming up with these, you know, maybe a new sausage flavor, or, you know, a new side, as I mentioned before. And I think that, again, that's going to that's going to help me as I continue this barbecue journey. What's a chef run these days? Expensive, man. It's, uh, you know, the, I'm still I'm still a small business, Greg. But, yeah. you know, the one thing that I promise you know, my brother and even my cashier, Autumn, you know, that they're going to grow with me. You know, Autumn is my cashier right now. But as I, you know, hopefully in the very near future transition into a brick and mortar, you know, Autumn could be something else for me, some sort of manager, um, maybe managing the cashiers or, or, or something. And same same thing is going to happen with my my brother and my chef, you know, as like with any job. I mean, you want to, if you move up, uh, in the business, you know, you want to bring those good people with you. And, and I, I firmly believe in that. And, and those people that, that are with me now will, you know, they'll be taken care of as I continue to grow. What's the financial fitness of Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue right now? Uh, we are on track um, to make uh, $250,000 the first year of business, um, which, you know, it's it's easy to figure that out. You know, if, if you figure out, you know, you're generating uh, a quarter of a million dollars in business. You know, you take, if your food cost is 35%, you know, you can take $35,000 right off the top of that. And, you know, then you calculate payroll and, and, and everything else. There's not a whole lot left, but. Um, I think that food cost you know, is more it, like $65,000. If my math is right. I'm sorry, you are correct. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you figure out. You you have to, um, you know, we're we're in a food truck park, and that is crippling me right now, yeah. um, because our our you know customers haven't eat outside, and and we got hit. You know, I don't know if you've kept up with the weather in Texas, but we had over sixty eight days, over a hundred degrees, and and it gets really hot. And customers, you know, if you go, if you're working. Uh, a nine to five job and you get an hour for lunch, you don't want to go out there and sit in the sun and, and enjoy your, your, your lunch. You know, you want to sit in a nice comfy uh, uh, restaurant, if you will. So, you know, we're doing everything that we possibly can, but financially, you know, we're, we're paying the bills, Greg, we're, you know, where I'm at, it's costing us 700 bucks a month to, to park my trailer there. Um, that includes water and electricity and all that stuff. But, you know, we're paying the bills, we're getting paid, mm-hmm. But is a business generating and and making money? The business itself, it's not. Um, but it's enough to pay everybody to pay the bills, and there is a little bit left over to, you know, reinvest into the business. That's what I've been doing. You know, if we need something, I I reinvest in it, that money into the business. What's the wife think at this point? Um. I think my, as I mentioned earlier in the the last interview, I think I'd mentioned 
you know, my wife calls me a hobby jumper and she knows that, um, this is a big hobby know, to if be I jumping said, from, right? It is. It is. You know, <laughs> leaving that corporate job and, and, yeah. and starting a food truck, you know, she probably thought I was crazy at first, but because I'm so aggressive in everything that I do, I think she trusts me into making the right decision and, and knowing that, you know, I am not, there is no plan B, Greg, this is it. You know, we're, we got to make this work. And I think that she, she knows me well enough that, that I'm going to make it work. You know, um, there's other income that we have coming in, obviously, you know, through my YouTube channel, et cetera, and other things that I've got going on. But, you know, the business is my full-time job. You know, that's what I'm doing. And, and it's going to get even, uh, it's going to be a bigger part of me as, as, you know, we set to open up a, a brick and mortar. What kind of a time frame are we looking at getting out of the, the trailer park and going into a brick and mortar? I, I'll tell you this. I will not spend another winter inside of a food truck. Hmm. So winter, we're coming up to, to autumn now and, and winter's, you know, following uh, really close behind that. Um, hopefully, um, I'm, I found a location. Um, I'm just negotiating with the current, um, uh, gentleman that's in that restaurant. Mm. You know, he's, he's gonna, I went and saw the, the place yesterday with my chef and we took inventory of what he's going to leave behind, you know, tables and, and what he's going to take, you know, and, and obviously we have to, you know, we're gonna have to buy a bunch more stuff to, to get going, but it's going to be hopefully here in the next couple of months, God willing. We're going to jump ahead a bit here in the timeline because the guest coming on behind you is Daniel Vaughn, Texas Monthly's barbecue editor. You were included in the Texas Monthly's top uh, 25 new up-and-comer barbecue list, whatever it's called. What benefit did you see and how quickly from being included on that list? So, yeah, back back in uh, June the 3rd, Daniel Vaughn came um, and... It was the very next weekend. Um, the very next weekend, I started to get new customers, um, local customers and customers from out of town. Um, and it, it was almost like every customer, hey, we saw your your uh, your write-up on Texas Monthly. Congratulations. Um, um, you know, so it brought on a new a new group of customers that didn't know I even existed that were mm. local. You know, I had customers driving from the West side of town um, and customers from out of town that are making trips just to come eat barbecue at my place. Uh, I'll tell you this quick story. There was even one guy from Dallas that calls me and says, Hey, I just want to make sure that you're going to be open on this day. And I said, yeah, and he goes, yeah, well, I'm going to go. Uh, you know, I follow Daniel Vaughn really close and I'm a list guy. And wherever Daniel Vaughn goes, whoever he puts on that list, I'm going to hit every single spot. Wow. Well, this guy shows up and, uh, you know, he wants to drink with me and hang out in the trailer. I mean, just a really cool guy. But, you know, it brings people like that uh, barbecue enthusiast, mm. you know, for this guy to drive in from Dallas, stop by a few barbecue places on the way in, but come and see our place as well. You know, that's that's pretty rewarding, you know, and and again, it, it brought in customers from more local customers and more out of town customers as well. All right. So let's go ahead and do the mashup now as we welcome in our pal Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly. Uh, don't oh, wait. Wait, uh, wait. That's the wrong one. I got it. I got it. I got it. I'll stand by. All right. Here we go. Uh, Daniel, does the mic work? The mic works. The mic works. All right. So uh, you can Absolutely. see we got uh, Smoke and Joe um, just to the left of you there if you're looking at the screen. Yeah, Joe, how you doing? Good, Daniel. How are you, buddy? Great, great. Daniel, awesome. what brought you to El Paso, or, or how do you find out about Smoke and Joe to decide you want to... I mean, look, I'm not telling anybody or anything that you don't know. Texas is a pretty big state, so you know, a hike over to El yes. Paso is indeed a hike. Yeah, it is a hike. Uh, you know, on that particular trip, I, I flew there, um, which, you know, if you're if you're from Dallas, uh, getting out to El Paso, uh, that drives a long one. Um, but uh, no, it was uh, it was uh, Richard from Desert Oak Barbecue who told me about Smoke and Joe's um, and told me that it was. Uh, I think um, I think he first told me when the trailer opened up and uh, really encouraged me to go out there. When you hear. 
Joe's account of as soon as he's mentioned in one of your articles and he's got dudes from Dallas, you know, coming up and wanting to hang out with him because he's a disciple of Daniel Vaughn and your lists. Is there a, a magnitude of weight that you feel on how you put these out and, or do you really get to, to feel the weight of what you're putting out and, and how people react to certain restaurants? Um, I, I don't know if I really think about it that way. Uh, I, I look for people like Joe who are putting in the hard work and, you know, who are doing it sometimes without much reward. And I'm happy to certainly get the word out there that, that it's a place worth stopping in for, worth traveling for. And, you know, I, I love to hear that places like that get the support that they deserve. What does Joe need to do to continue to flourish, in your opinion? Well, I mean, I think uh, getting that brick and mortar like he was talking about, that's good news to me. So next time I come back, you know, it's not going to be in the El Paso sun on one of those uh, picnic tables. Uh, but like you said, you know, that winter gets brutal as well. So, uh, you know, he, he sort of gets the, the worst of it there in the winter and the summer. So um, I certainly think the barbecue has the, the quality that is going to bring enough people to support that brick and mortar. So I'm happy to see that that's coming. Joe, what do you want to promote or where can people find you if they want to check you out tomorrow or this coming weekend or whenever you're open? Yeah, so I post my hours on uh, Instagram. I'm pretty active on Instagram uh, at Smoke and Joe's Pit Barbecue. Um, I'm also on YouTube and Facebook. You can check me out there and uh, you can always call me and make sure I'm going to be open. But I'm open Fridays and Saturdays from 11 until we sell out. Joe, we'll see you for installment number four here towards the end of the year. Appreciate the time as always. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Daniel. And that's Smoke and Joe or Joe Martinez. And I would give you a website, but he doesn't have it. So find him, as he said, very active on Instagram at Smoke and Joe's Pit. <laughs> yeah. Is that a, is that an issue? Is that a liability, Daniel, for a place to not have a website? Or can you get away if you have a decent social media following and not have it? Yeah, I think if you've got a decent social media following, there's no need for the website. Um, you know, I guess for me, the, the pet peeve is when you have a Facebook page and, and you don't fill it out completely, right? You've got all that information that you can share with people on a free page. Just put it all in there. Like, what's your name? When did the place open up? Um, what are your hours? Make sure you get those right. So, yeah. Um, I, but, you know, a website, it, it costs money. Facebook, a Facebook page really doesn't. So, um, yeah, I think as long as you get yourself out there in some way but um you know more often than not it's it's really as far as me finding places it's on instagram uh people tagging me on instagram mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to tag people on instagram it's a lot easier to um to also just be able to to post more often right uh it's not always going to show up in the facebook feed with that facebook algorithm um but you know i I follow a lot of people on Instagram, but, you know, I'm looking at the barbecue stuff most often. And so it's the barbecue stuff that is always at the top of the page. Daniel Vaughn joining us here on the show. TMBBQ.com, the website on X at BBQ Snob, also on Instagram as well. There's a YouTube poll question of the week that I would like to ask you about X. as we get it's, it's X. I mean, that's what it is. Uh, I, I know. I know. It's, I don't know if yeah. you listen to it or not, um, but I had an interview with Mike Grunwald last week, who is a journalist by profession, a highly distinguished award winning journalist. And he's really taken a, a, a fancy to following this cultivated meat, alternative meat type stuff. And we talked not ad nauseum, but certainly dove into the subject of cell cultivated meat. And I'm wondering from whatever, you know, do you, uh, do you have a for or against the continuance of cell cultivated meat? Do you care about it? Yes or no? Um, no, I don't no. really care much about it. No. I mean, no, I mean, go, go ahead. Like, it's not going to, it's not going to hurt me. I'll, um, probably try it just like I've tried just about anything else that's out there. Um, uh, but you know, is it, is it ever going to be an answer to whole muscle meats? And I just don't think that it's ever going to get there. Right. I don't think it's ever going to get to the point where, um, it really replicates what, uh, what a steak can provide or certainly what a brisket can provide. Do you care about Ember's TV? Ember's TV, of course, yes. You like that? 
Yeah. You, su- yeah, uh, you subscribe? Uh, yes, I am a subscriber. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Just because a lot of those guys are Texas or you're a fan of Live Fire? I'm just yeah. wondering what the, the end is for you. Uh, well, you know, it's something I can expense. <laughs> I, I haven't. <laughs> Indeed. I, I, I haven't really dove too deeply into it. I can tell you that right now. Um, you know, I spend most of my time out there on the road eating barbecue and, um, you know, and, and writing about it as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's fun to catch up with like a different side of people. But, um, yeah, for the most part, it's it, for me, it's about the food. It's about what you're serving at the restaurant. The Internet loves lists and Texas Monthly has its own list that appears to be universally revered as the barbecue list, both inside and outside of Texas, by the way. Southern Living released their 2023 top 50 barbecue list a week ago to this very day. Any thoughts on the list? Well, I mean, they've got Texas at number one, so it snows barbecue. So that certainly makes a lot of sense. Um, You know, I think, uh, but overall, my thoughts on that list are the same thing that I shared with Robert Moss when we shared dinner together in Charleston, which is like, leave Texas out of it. Just like do (laughs) the rest of the South a favor and leave Texas out of it. Like, I'm serious. It's not because I'm feeling territorial about it or whatnot, but uh, it's like you make a list like that of the South and uh, I don't know, what is it? 17, 20 places in Texas. Um, and then that's probably still not enough, but um, you know, just leave Texas to Texas monthly and let more places in the South really shine through that list. Right. They and, and really get that recognition by being on that list. I, um, I think people who love Texas barbecue and are coming to travel to Texas, if they're looking for where to find the best barbecue, yeah, some of them might look to that Southern living list, but I think first they're going to look to Texas monthly's list, um, and, and start from there. Right. Uh, we cover the state all the time. We are, you know, constantly out there searching for new places. So, uh, yeah. And, and I think, uh, too, if you look at that Southern living list, uh, I think our list is much more about trying to find what's new and interesting. And I think Robert's list is much more about, uh, well, it's about nostalgia, right? It's, it's about, um, giving credit to some of those legendary places and the places that are, have a really special experience around them as well. Whereas our list, we're looking, it's, it's really more about the food that you're being served. It's is, really about the barbecue. Is it more of a detractor for him and the fact that he is the singular person putting together the list, traveling to these places. I mean, he's, he's one man covering whatever the hell the South is. So I'm still suspect on that myself, but you have yourself a team you have a whole methodology of how you put together the Texas Monthly's top 50 list, but he's doing it on his own. Is that a detriment? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they don't give him any support. Um, <laughs> he's got to go out there and do it himself. It's not his full-time job, so he's got to do it like, you know, he's got to do it when he has free time. Um, and, you know, there's we spend four years in between our top 50 barbecue list. And that's just for Texas. And a lot of that reason is uh, because we want to be able to, you know, my job is a scouting mission in between those lists, right? I'm out there constantly looking for new barbecue joints that might have the opportunity to be on that list. Right. (laughs) And so if you're not spending all that time out there finding the new spots, then the list starts to get repetitive, right? Because you're just constantly going back to those old spots to see if they're still good. And, um, you know, I think if you look from, if you look at that Southern living list from year to year to year, there's, there's not much change. Uh, there's not a whole lot of turnover. And when you look at our list from, you know, every four years, people get surprised like, oh, my gosh, there's, you know, 20 new spots on the list. And it's like every time that happens since 1997, uh, every time we put on a new list, there's been huge turnover. And I think that is because we we wait those four years and and we do evaluate, reevaluate all the old spots right along with all those new spots and. You know, so we don't really give a lot of deference based on, um, you know, based on the fact that you were on the last list or not. It really doesn't matter that much. 
Daniel Vaughn joining us here on the show, tmbbq.com, his website, if you would like to read what he is uh, writing about and up to, you can also follow him on social media at BBQ Snob. There's a book that's either out or, or coming out written by Joe Haynes, a name who I've been familiar with almost as long as I've been doing the show when he was running, I think it was Obsessive Compulsive Barbecue or whatever the blog was, and uh, it's called From Barbecue to Barbecue, and for the people listening on podcast they don't understand but there's two spellings of the barbecue one way and, and barbecue a second way it's the untold history of an american tradition without giving too much away what's the the overarching angle here with the book well uh, the gist of joe's book is that barbecue as we know it um and certainly as it was known for hundreds of years was developed in the US and in, in what is now the United States. Um, essentially, he looks at the idea of the Caribbean origin theory, the idea that uh, barbecue that was practiced in the in the US uh, was, you know, migrated in from the Caribbean, because of, uh, well, there's many details to it, but he basically looks at that Caribbean origin theory and and rips it apart mm. as far as uh, it's, you know, the connection. There's certainly a connection of those words like barbacoa to barbecue. But as far as the the cooking method that they were using there and the cooking method that developed in what is the U.S., uh, there isn't. Uh, you know, there are a whole lot of very important differences. And for Joe, his argument is that the idea, the, the barbecue that was cooked in the United States for centuries, uh, which is digging a trench in the ground, building a fire in that trench, cooking those wood down to coals, and then uh, putting whole animals <laughs> or large cuts of meat over that fire um, and, and mopping it with a mop sauce that was done exclusively in the United States uh, and, or, or, you know, in, in the area that is now the United States and was recognized as barbecue, a food first in the United States, not barbecue, like the, uh, you know, the, the, the sticks that were used to cook the barbecue or, or the event, but really the food itself was come to be known as barbecue in the United States and was uh, really recognized that style of cooking was the only thing recognized as barbecue for hundreds of years. So um, his, his argument is basically barbecue was really developed in the United States. Joe, certainly an accomplished author. There was uh, a book previous to this was basically laying claim to the fact that Southern style barbecue was born out of Virginia and Virginia solely and every other place since has been benefiting from Virginia's ability to put barbecue on the map when it did all, uh, you know, somehow it's it's been washed away in the history books or, or something like this, but he has made sure to, to bring that to the forefront. So I, I assume he brings a similar storytelling ability or a fact-finding ability to to this book as well yeah i mean it is it is certainly packed with facts like i, I joked with him when i talked to him I, I wrote about the book uh after i read it and i did it after i talked with him and i was like you know this is not a page turner um and you know it is it's just it's very in-depth like the the fact-finding that he goes through and the uh, the clarity in which he, he in longevity in which he goes through uh, all the different sources that he went back to and found uh, is it's it's all in the book. Like there is no there are no short arguments in that book. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he doesn't really go deep into it's got to be Virginia. Right. He's saying that uh, the barbecue, as it came to be known like that, the food was uh, as a result of creolization. Uh, it was a blending of cultures of the enslaved, of Native Americans, and of Europeans. And the blending of that culture developed uh, this method for cooking meat that became barbecue, and that that, uh, that, that likely happened uh, in around the same time in many different locations across the U.S. Uh, at the time. So not necessarily just in Virginia. What's the state of barbecue in Texas right now? How is it? How is it feeling and looking to you? 
Well, I mean, it's it's thriving. That's for sure. As far as the, um, the still the number of places that are opening. Uh, but I'm, I'm working on an article right now and there's been some chatter online uh, about the, um, you know, about how tough this summer has been for businesses. And, and I do think it is something that's like across that's sort of restaurant wide as far as, um, you know, a lack of profitability, especially compared to the year before uh, over this hot summer in Texas. And I think it's hit barbecue particularly hard. You know, a big heavy meal like that is not something you really want when it's 110 degrees out. Um, and I, I, you know, an article that I'm working on right now, I mean, my, my thesis is basically that, uh, you know, this bubble has been pumped up and pumped up in Texas and, uh, you know, more new places and more new spots all over the state, uh, big cities, small towns, tiny towns, in between the tiny towns, everywhere. And, um, you know, I, I think that bubble's about to burst, right? I think that, uh, you know, I I just talked to, um, I just went out to a little town of Winsboro, Texas, and I had some, some great barbecue out there on Saturday. Uh, but Winsboro's a a tiny town in East Texas that's 20 minutes off the interstate. And there were three different barbecue options uh, in that town serving on Saturday. And um, that's just not going to last. I mean, there's no way that the town of Winsboro is going to be able to support that. And it's going to be really hard to draw enough people into Winsboro, which uh, I mean, nothing against the fine town of Winsboro, but it doesn't have enough going for it to bring in a huge amount of people every Saturday just uh, to be there. Right. Uh, barbecue that bar- those barbecue joints have got to be their destination if that's <laughs> how those places are going to end up, you know, being supported altogether. So I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Right. Uh, and it's tough to think about that, you know, one or two of those places might have to end up closing. But I think that is going to happen. That's going to start happening statewide. I mean, if I get one more email about, hey, man, you got to come check out my place. I, uh, I'm only open on Fridays. Or I'm only <laughs> open on Saturdays or I'm only open on Fridays and Saturdays. I mean, to me, that just means like you're probably not going to last very long. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you are um, you've determined that you have enough time, energy and money to to do this once a week, which means you probably have another job. Yeah. Which means what you know, and, and what all all they're doing at that point is really contributing to this the saturation that we have right now, and um, yeah, so I, I just don't see a future where all these all these new spots, all these pop up spots, all these weekend spots are going to be able to to you know are going to be able to find enough people to eat their barbecue on a regular basis. If, if food costs weren't as extreme as they appear to be right now, I was talking with Joe, obviously, segment before you, and he was talking about how at one point it was bleeding into 42 43% of uh, mm-hmm. you know food costs. He's trimmed it down to like 34% or something along these lines. And then um, Kevin uh, Kelly did an interview with uh, the guy that runs Evy Mays, and he was talking about how yeah. crazy – food prices too and how that actually affects the business that was a great interview by the way if you're interested in hearing the inner workings of a really popular texas barbecue restaurant and, and why on the surface you think everything is great he really goes into uh the depths about it's really not that great and, and why that is it's a great listen and a great watch depending on what you like to do if the meat or the food cost wasn't as extreme would it be easier to have some of these destinations like you were talking about to subsist two or three different places then uh yeah yeah i mean obviously the meat costs are a big deal but i think um i think there's a few things going on and one of those is that uh the prices for uh, all those goods have gone up not just the meat portion right so it's um it's it's the plates the the plastic wear the 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 butcher paper the aluminum foil like all these things that you need uh the wood um because of this sort of saturation we're talking about these things you know things like wood are um, you know there's more competition for it for for good like dry barbecue wood um and then as far as the meat prices go you know these uh let's just let's just tell it like it is right i mean you have all these meat companies who realize that they could charge a whole lot of money throughout the pandemic um they realize they could raise these prices and you know it's just like gas prices they're going to raise them and they're going to bring them back down a little bit they're not going to ever bring them back down to those those uh, you know the prices that we are used to seeing now that's just meat in general right 
you take brisket and then, then we have this added problem of, uh, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's only a problem as far as the economics go. The great thing is all over the country, you get incredible Texas barbecue. Yep. And I've been doing a lot of traveling over the summer, eating, eating Texas style barbecue all over the country. Uh, but the problem is you have like a thousand new restaurants that open up who are all serving brisket. That used to be this thing that was really just in Texas. And now you've just got all this competition for brisket. And I just don't ever see brisket prices coming back down to what's considered, you know, a cheap cut. Mm. Now, um, now I'm, I'm going to bleed this in quickly to another pet peeve in the whole like poor man's burn ends. Beef chuck. That's yeah. not a poor man's burnt end. Beef chuck is more expensive than brisket. A poor man's burnt end is still made out of brisket. Brisket is cheaper than chuck roast. Pet hmm. peeve number one. But yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Number one. I mean, Texas being in that southern living list, that's number one. Maybe they'll kick this uh, Texas off the southern living. I mean, I, th- I, I assume they're catering to the subscription base that is living in Texas and that's why they continue to do it. And, uh, like I said, it's, it's bizarre how they geographically, uh, weave the South into, you know, as they cover. So I think we were talking off air. I said, you know, they they say Kentucky is in the South, the Kentucky borders Ohio. So why not Ohio be part of the South as well? I mean, I don't care one way or the other. And then Maryland is also part of the South. And that seems to be pretty North to me, but, you know, what do I know? So uh, it's it's a, a business is a business is a business. Aside from the uh, the article that you're working on, anything else you have coming up or you want to promote? You're going to be at the Hartville Hardware Grill Fest on Saturday in Hartville, Ohio. Um, and not going to make it. What? I wasn't able to find a great flight. Come yeah, on, I yeah, I know, yeah. Uh, let's see. I'll be at the Texas Tribune Festival on Saturday from 11 to 2 in Austin, uh, talking with Aaron Franklin uh, about barbecue and a, a bit more about these barbecue economics. And then, of course, we've got our big barbecue festival, the yeah. Texas Monthly Barbecue Festival coming up in Lockhart first weekend in November. It'll be on Saturday and Sunday and, and tickets are available now. All right. So uh, look for those if you're going to be around and we'll get a recap on those next time you're inbound here on the show. Always appreciate the time and we'll see you again. All right. Great to be with you. You got it. Daniel Vaughn right there. TMBBQ.com, his website. So check it out if you like to hear what's going on in Texas and in the live fire world. Just not always about Texas. Mostly, but not always. Listen up, gang. Our friend at Big Papa Smokers has something special for you, just the listeners of this show. Doesn't matter if you're a seasoned pit master or not, Big Papa Smokers, your one-stop shop for all things barbecue. From their championship rubs, mouth-watering sauces, essential accessories, they've got what you need to take your food to the next level, both on the competition scene and in the backyard. Here's the cherry on top, offering 15, I'm sorry, $10 off your next purchase of $50 or more. When you use promo code REMPE at checkout, R-E-M-P-E, you can use Big Papa's Sweet Money to evaluate evaluate your ribs. You can put desert gold on your chicken or veggies. You can put Big Papa's Double Secret and see how that does magic with your steak. And again, don't forget to use promo code REMPE, R-E-M-P-E, at checkout to claim your $10 off your next order of $50 or more. You can also check out the full recipes at cookingwithbigpapa.com. We're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Let's get back to a guy who has more experience giving you his opinion than he actually has cooking. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. And we thank Daniel Vaughn for joining us last segment, tmbbq.com, his website. And if you're interested in picking up Joe Haynes' book about the history of barbecue and why it's uniquely here in this country and not a derivative of the Caribbean stuff like we've always heard, pick it up. From Barbecue to Barbecue, the untold history of an American tradition. I am efforting Joe Haynes on the show as well to talk about it, but I know Daniel had written an article about it recently, so thank, uh, happy to have him share his thoughts on it. 
All the way back in the first hour, we had Mary Kressler and Sean Martin from Vidulge.com. Successful first interview, I thought. Looking forward to having them back on the show here. And then we had Wes Wright from CookoutNews.com talking about a launch of a new and or replacement of a smoke fire called the Steerwood. Second hour, Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue operator Joe Martinez and his third of four quarterly installments. In 2023, the focus of the podumentary of this show, and then Daniel Vaughn closing the show out, tmbq.com. Big show planned for you next week. In-studio guest for hour number one and hour number two, Jason Baker from Green Mountain Grills. Yes! Derek Riches is set to join us, 35 past the first hour. Embedded correspondence in the second hour. Jason Baker, all show, in studio. It's going to be crazy. So how do I always leave you? September 11th, 2001. I will never forget till next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. This is Monroe Stone. I'm from Stowe, Ohio. And you're listening to Barbecue Central.